Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A Dominion podcast. Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. My name is Not Wandering Winter. Joining me as normal are Adam and Jake. How you doing, guys? Uh, we're pretty good. How about you? I'm speaking for Adam. How, how are you? <laughs> this is great. Um, wait, was, was that a question to me or was it a question to Adam? Or you were yes. speaking for Adam? Uh, it's me speaking for Adam. I'm asking how both of you are. How, how are my, my co-hosts today? Uh, Your co-host in, <laughs> in the here-ness. Your, co- your, your co-host in the here-ness is pretty good. All right. Yeah, me too. I feel great. This is great. Yeah. So we're here to talk about Domino Onion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Uh, we speaking are. Speaking of onions, I eat, I had like a huge dinner and I'm still like starving. I can't oh, explain it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're growing. Yeah, it's probably it. Yeah. Uh, so, as you may know, sometimes we talk about Dominion. Uh, when we feel like it. Um, and this time, we're going to talk a little bit about a card called Embargo. But before yeah. we get to that, we have a kingdom from last oh, time. Yeah, we, we do. do. Oh, I want to get this out of the way real quick. So remember last time those ear candles? Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you sent me the like WebMD article on this. This was amazing. So, <laughs> so are you curious, Wandering Winter, about what those ear candles are good for? I'm just upset that you made me unforget that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it turns out that those ear candles, they're hollow, okay? And there's like this kind of cloth or something lining in the middle of it so that it keeps its shape. And you're supposed to put it in your ear and then I, I guess the wax doesn't drip down the middle of it somehow. Don't, don't ask how that works. But like... The theory is it's supposed to clear out your ears and resolve headaches and earwax by creating an upward vortex of air. Yeah. So this is, it's pseudoscience. Like, it's a bunch of crap. God, Adam sent me the WebMD article, like, explaining the theory behind it. I'm looking at it right now. I just Googled ear candle. It's garbage. This is possibly the stupidest thing I read all week. And I read I work with salespeople. No, sorry. Would Um, not recommend. Would not recommend Googling ear candle. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Aren't you glad you listened to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast, so you don't have to Google ear candles? We That's can right. tell you that it's just a waste of your time. Yeah. And it got me wondering. Which like, is hard because my time is really invaluable. <laughs> so, like, to waste my In, time, it's got to be really stupid. You realize <laughs> that much like inflammable means flammable, invaluable means flammable. <laughs> it does not mean flammable. It means valuable. Well, Adam distracted me. All right, so the point is, Jake, you you matter Thank uh, you. as always, and it just got me wondering, like, what other kind of pseudoscientific bullcrap does Walmart sell, and like, why don't they sell all of the pseudoscientific bullcrap? Oh, they're gonna sell the stuff that like they feel like they might move. That's scientific. Who's buying ear candles? I've never heard of anyone who even knows what they are, let alone who buys them. The internet knows. Yeah, I mean, I how you're you're asking the wrong person. I have no idea. So what you're saying is, let's invent some pseudoscientific bull. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and sell the Walmart. Rich. Yeah. Well, yeah. first we got to make an infomercial. Yep. Um, Welcome to making what? an infomercial podcast. Yes. So we have a kingdom from last time, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Well, last episode was about scheme, if you recall. So this uh, kingdom has scheme in it, and a lot of our discussion was uh, centered around what we would do, and also just what we think scheme does and doesn't do here. Yeah. Who wants to read the cards? Not me, since I don't have it open. Awkward okay. silence. I'll, I'll read the cards. Nice. Uh, so, this kingdom has Duchess, Farmer's Market, Scheme, Steward, Conspirator, Mountain Village, Necromancer, Patron, Counterfeit, Scepter, and we have the projects Pageant and Pizza. Once more, for our audio-only listeners, we have Duchess, Farmer's Market, Sheem, Steward, Conspirator, Mountain Village, Necromancer, Patron, Counterfeit, Scepter, and we have the projects, Pageant and Pizza. And in case you didn't catch pizza, uh, when Jake says pizza, he means piazza. Yeah, right. Yeah, pizza. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, like, make the, like, hand motion, you know, like. You know like, what I'm talking about. Piazza. Like, like on the webcam, Like the Jake. Mets catcher from the early 2000s? Yeah, like, yeah like pizza. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. guy. So uh, I had advocated for a double steward opening, and Jake had advocated for a steward scheme opening. And after we had played this kingdom several times, uh, we, um, we still don't agree, but uh, you had a really good analogy, yeah. Jake. So, okay, it turns out that neither of those is really what you should be doing because there's something way better. Uh, yeah. So both of our openings were pretty bad in comparison. So when we're arguing about whether Scheme Steward or Steward Steward was better, it was kind of like uh, arguing about whether Blockbuster or Hollywood Video is better. Because they're just, like, they're not relevant. Because they're not the thing you should be doing. Yeah. Uh, Even though so, Double Steward is better. And I just want the record to show that. It The record, it shall be so noted. I, you know, I, I don't <laughs> care enough to argue. So yeah, I'm going to get with you. Yeah. So, so yeah, it turns out that Pageant is really good here. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Wandering Winter, you were the first one to say Pageant Steward would be your open, right? Uh, I think that was Adam. But I did not advocate for a pageant steward opening until you beat the crap out of me in several games with it, Wandering Winder. It might have been none of oh. us. But uh, we also, some other people talked about patron steward, and that one turned out to be not terrible either. It's pretty similar, I think, to the pageant steward opening yeah. when it yeah. comes down to it. Yeah, so uh, the moral of the story is that both Adam and I were wrong. So that's what we really take from this. Yeah. The moral of the story is that they were both wrong. Yeah. So aside from the opening, there are actually a couple of different decks you can build here. Yeah, one of them really surprised me, by the way. Yeah, so the the first deck you can build has uh, no villages, or maybe like has one patron and gets like one or two villager tokens ever. But it gets two schemes, uh, uses a steward to thin down, uh, shoves conspirators in the deck, has a counterfeit, maybe two, and then uh, no no other villages. It just goes for green from there. Uh, there's another variation on that deck that maybe adds a mountain village, maybe another steward. And it seems to be similarly effective whether or not it does any of that. Uh, like, there's a lot of room for variance in this build that doesn't end up making a difference. 
Um, and I found that the theme of the kingdom was that I would agonize over these decisions and you know, be like, okay, I can optimize this this way, but I could get screwed if I draw like this. And then I find out then when I draw my next hand that uh, nothing I was thinking about mattered because, yeah, so there, there's a lot of uh, really predictable performance no matter what you uh, end up going for. So here. I, I played that deck a lot, um, opening steward pageant, and then my general plan was I wanted to get a counterfeit um, mostly because I didn't want to use my steward that much to trash. I wanted to use it to draw more, um, but also because I really needed plus buy. Um, so both those things were great. Um, then I got a patron, and then a village, and then I just started jamming conspirators in my deck. Um, and I picked up a scheme at some point, usually, right? Um, and then, yeah, around when I would start to get 12 and two buys on a turn, I would go, you know, province conspirator... And then after a little while of that, you know, um, double province maybe. Um, obviously, yeah. endgame considerations come into play at some point. You have to, you know, figure out what your opponent's doing and stuff. Um, but pageant did a lot of work there. You often got, I got like four plus coffers most of the games, I think. Um, but the thing I wanted to note there is once I built up, you know, two or three um, villagers, the key thing was, and... Uh, if we ever get any of these games up, I'm not sure if or when that will happen. But if, if it does, you'll see that at some point I switched to scheming my steward rather than my village um, with the patron bringing the villager back anyway, but it just made me more reliable because I just wanted to draw first. And the villagers allowed me to do that, so having the patron was super nice for that. Anyway. Well, and, and that's a big deal because even once you're thin here, uh, this deck... Maybe you can tell from us describing it. This does, deck doesn't really green that well. I mean, it does because the game is like over by the time it really starts to be a problem and you really start to choke on those green cards. Yeah. But once you have like three or four in there, having like four stop cards in the deck or five or plus, it really hurts your consistency because the draw is not very good. You don't have time really for villages to make like steward mountain village sustainable draw. So you're really just relying on cantrip draw for the most part. And that breaks down eventually. Those double province turns, you're going to have like maybe one or two of those. You only need that many, uh, but you're not going to have very many uh, double province turns. And sometimes you'll even miss province if you haven't built very well. Right. So maybe Adam, now would be a good time to talk about the other deck. Sure. Uh, I want to. I just wanted to say. I think just about any deck you build here puts one or two schemes in the deck, and that's it's important because the draw is so weak. Uh, if you save one turn with it, uh, definitely pays for the cost of those schemes. Right. Uh, and you sure. almost always will save at least one, possibly many more turns with that. Oh, I think that deck could get Piazza or not get it, and I think it's uh, usually about the same either way. Uh, I don't know. I don't I, think the pizza is really worth it. Well, almost never line. got it. I mean, like, I didn't get it very often either. I, I think you could get it and have it be a mistake, but I think uh, you could get it and have it pay off, too. You certainly don't want to get it too early, because there's yeah. so many other things that are more important. Uh, the other thing I will note is, it's kind of funny, there's, like, some really slight anti-synergy between Scheme and Piazza. Yeah, right. Um, because you you Scheme to put actions in your starting hand, which means they're not on top of your deck. Unless you have six Schemes, in which case it's a combo. Nice. But having, that... having six, six schemes is usually a combo with losing the game. So Right. <laughs> Come on now. 
Don't be so down. So I actually think there's this, there's an anti-synergy between pizza and conspirator because if you pizza yes. and hit a conspirator, that's like the same thing as just playing the conspirator if you manage to activate it. It really doesn't help you yeah, all that much. That's also true. And like most of your deck is going to be conspirators at some point. Uh, it, it just didn't seem all that fantastic to me. Yeah. So anyway, there's another deck you can build here. Uh, the idea is you get a Farmer's Market in play, and then you play four Scepters, and you play that Farmer's Market five times. And uh, in that process, you get $10, you get as many buys as you want, you get four VP tokens. And then in your buy phase, you just rebuy the Farmer's Market. And then the core of the, the deck is very similar to these other decks. You have one or two schemes, you get a Mountain Village, you have a Steward... <clears throat> And then at some point, once you have this up and running, you shove conspirators in the deck and you get them until they're gone. Uh, but your your Which, path the your path like, to payload is a little bit different here because it's revolving around the fact that you're not you're going to be building a little more because you have these VP tokens. What were you saying? So I was just going to say, I mean, in that deck, uh, grab you do grab conspirators until they're gone, but grabbing into them until they're gone for that deck means it gets like one or two of them because well, the uh, your, the opponent's probably going for this conspirator thing and they have the rest. Well, if you only I mean, get really one or two, depends. if you get one or two, you're in real bad shape. I think when I played it against Adam, he usually got three to four. Sure. Yeah, getting three conspirators is just fine. Like it, losing conspirators seven to three is not a huge deal. Eight to if, two would be pretty disastrous, though. Uh, yeah, that happened I think in one of the games. With- that I played with Jake, and I lost that game. I was pretty far behind, but, like, yeah. the, the two conspirators was a product of me being far behind. Right. Yeah. So, if you had described... That deck that Adam just described, if you had described that deck to me before I saw it play out, I would have called you insane. Uh, I want to say that last episode, I said that Scepter and Farmer's Market could possibly be good, and... Well, you all said I was crazy. Well, okay, Jake said I was crazy. I don't and I'm not crazy. This. All these decks seem to perform roughly the same. Yeah, they did. Now, I will say that the the idea that the whole deck can be based around sceptering farmers markets is not something I would have uh, foreseen, but... And, I, and I'm not going to say it was the dominant tactic, either. I'm not ready to say it was better than just going for Steward and Yeah, that's because it wasn't. It was, yeah, it was about the same. Um, yeah, there's a lot, I mean, there there didn't seem to be a lot in terms of the kind of strategy you go for where you could get an advantage. Uh, I mean, there were things I, that you could I, get better than your opponent. But. I feel like I won every game against that. <laughs> yeah, that's because I wasn't I think open that, pageant I think in like it's, any of those games. I think it is deceptive that I won every game because I don't think it's like that, you know, mismatched. But I felt like about a turn ahead and if my draws worked out worse or your draws worked out better it could have been a different story but i wasn't getting pageant in any of those games i think what i learned from those games is that pageant is really important i think it's interesting why pageant is important and the fact that like if you get a five two first of all five two is terrible five two sucks yeah you just resign yeah yeah you know you I'm not but, sure whether Duchess is better than nothing. It sets up your piazzas. It like it depends on the deck you're building. Duchess is definitely bad if you're going for that Scepter Farmers Market deck, but yeah. I think it's good if you're going for the deck that gets a Mountain Village and then uses Conspirators that way. I mean, it's pretty bad for that deck, but it might be better than nothing. I think yeah, opening with it is better <laughs> than nothing. Sure, but I, mean, I think it's interesting that like opening with a pageant here can be so powerful, and I think it's because first of all. Steward trashes cards and it leaves you with these hands right. that 
have probably too money in them. And so you can either bank a coffers or you can spend a coffers and get a thing. And that's really useful. And also, um, remember how I said that good decks don't waste money? Well, this deck is short on buys, and Conspirator is still a really good card for it. So it turns out you're wasting money a lot of times, and it's still a good deck. So Wasting money is hot. <laughs> I also don't... I mean, I don't even know what wasting money means, because like, you're just... Your money is... The, the price point you hit is just the threshold you use to get the card you want. So... Like, you're just going to get the best card for your deck. <laughs> I mean, I don't really... You're never wasting money. Um, Welcome to an episode about pageants. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I think the only card that never saw play here was Necromancer. Rip Necromancer. Uh, I thought about getting a Necromancer yeah. at some point. Because you had all these yeah. farmer's markets in the trash. And then I realized that playing them wasn't actually good for me and it only helped you. So, yeah. yeah. Didn't do that. Good call, man. <laughs> Sick. Ill. Alright. Nice. Alright, well, I don't have anything more to say about this kingdom. Anyone else? Uh, it was pretty bland, I'm gonna say. Like, this was, this was a fairly, uh, vanilla-ish kingdom. I enjoyed it greatly. (laughs) Alright. I really did. No, I really did. I I love this kind of kingdom. I believe you. I just I think it's it funny fun. that you have like the opposite tastes. I, I, I know everybody bad. else has different tastes than me. Like... This is this kingdom was great. No, I thought it was fine. I don't know. But you know what? What isn't bland? What What's isn't that? bland? Embargo, uh, and that is the most important thing here. It must be pronounced embargo. That's true. Why don't you try saying that, Jake? Uh, embargo. Pretty good, Adam. Embargo. Wow, did you just say that was pretty good? Yeah. Because I've tried to say that around you like 55 times, and you said it was awful every single one of those times, except for just now. Well, that was pretty good. Jake's was horrible. Nice. Oh, good. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Jake's was like, I don't really feel like I'm into this. Embargo. Yeah, whatever. Embargo. Yeah, exactly. Your heart's not in it, Jake. (laughs) Your heart's not in it. That's true. You Uh, don't believe in heart and cards. But my heart is an embargo because this is actually one of my favorite cards in the game. I love that it's got this unique mechanic about it um, that, like, you – we've seen embargo's DNA get passed on to a couple of other things like tax oh, no. and swamp hag. Those are kind of like progenitors. Embargo is kind of the progenitor of those. But, man, I still think embargo just does this thing that is really unique and interesting for the game. Um, and, like, it can be bad, but that's a good thing. Like, you want things to be – uh, low on utility sometimes because that's what keeps the game interesting. Bad cards are important for the game. I will. Game you know, I want to say I'm not I calling Embargo a bad card. I'm I not. Am. I'm taking. I'm taking my jacket <laughs> off. I'm taking my jacket off. Oh baby. Yeah. So my favorite kinds of cards are often weak cards that serve purposes. Yeah. So it's not like not like completely horrible weak like you know Scout or something or. Almost, you, you almost never get it no, weak, kidding. like yeah. uh, Philosopher's Stone or yeah. Harvest. Now, I mean, Philosopher's Stone you get sometimes. It's just like, it's pretty bad. I lost Cookies are sometimes food. I, so I lost a Philosopher's Stone earlier today. But anyway, it's better than that, right? It, it is relevant, you know, a reasonable amount of the time, but it's so. Yeah, I I'm not gonna make any claim, any like objective claims about embargo's power level, other than to just say that 
it's a very underrated card. And that's not saying much because people talk about this card like it's useless. And it is so not. It is actually uh, has a lot of utility a lot of the time that people really underthink in my experience. So we're about to overthink this card. Yeah. But to overthink it, we need to read the card text. Oh. So I'm going to read some card text. Sounds good. Yeah. So Embargo is a two-cost action from the Seaside expansion. Gives you plus two dollars, and it says, Trash this. Add an Embargo token to a supply pile. And then the parenthetical explains, it says, For the rest of the game, when a player buys a card from that pile, they gain a curse. So you can play the embargo in your action phase, and then put it on a pile, and then you can buy something from that pile and get a curse right away. Yeah, combo. <laughs> well, yeah, I am so... going to bring that up later. By the way, woo! That so... is a strategic consideration. The idea here is that you're uh, supposed to put it on a pile that you like don't intend to buy from, right? And that you intend for your opponents to buy from, and then it's... they get the curses. Yeah, I think the the gist of it is, in general, in a vacuum, you want to... One of the things is, what pile should I put my embargo token on? And unlike most other cards, which have one option or maybe a few options, embargo has, like, like 16 options, at least, right? 55 like options. What, 17 yeah. at least? I think there's always, like, there's 10 kingdom cards, gold, silver, copper, curse... Yeah, 55 Yeah, 17 plus options, right? So you have so many options, right? So for one thing, I think people play it suboptimally because, like, well, there's so many different options. It's very, very much easier to put it on some option that isn't the best. Yeah, they, like, embargo the curse pile, and then they're, like, Which is sometimes absolutely the best thing to do. It's sometimes, but they do it without thinking. Like, they embargo estates or coppers or whatever, and then they're just, you know... Uh, just I don't want to think about this. Uh, get it out of my life. And usually, there's just something better you can do than that. Yeah. But, like, what is embargo for? Like the the different reasons you might put this in your deck. And I think like before we can get into the embargo token, we can just talk about its other role because that's pretty quick, right? We can talk about it as econ as a self destructing silver. Yeah. Like. Off the bat, I want to say that if you're comparing that to a real silver, this idea that uh, you have this effective silver in your deck that then explodes and it's not there anymore, uh, that has pros and cons and mostly cons. Usually, if you are going to uh, take this or silver, the silver is better because it's more sustained econ, but the embargo does have some advantages, namely it's cheaper, so you know sometimes you have two and it's better than nothing usually. Uh, that's why Adam bought Duchess in that previous kingdom. <laughs> that lady uh, creeps me out. And that kid, yeah, but still, for two bucks, yeah. Sure. Yeah, uh, and so the other thing is that uh, it disappears. You play the embargo, and you get the $2, and then it's gone. And that uh, is overstated in terms of how often it's useful. I think people talk about it like it's something that's like regularly uh, a benefit, and that's not the case. Uh, but there are some decks that need to hit five or six a time, and uh, after that, they just really don't want stop cards for any reason. I'm thinking about, like, you're really trying to get your first bridge troll, and then from there you want your economy to be to be cost reduction. You don't want the silver getting in the way, quote-unquote, of your other bridge trolls or highways or whatever. Sometimes Embargo's there for you for that purpose. So we actually did a whole episode on when yellow equals purple. 
Yeah. And so I think uh, this this kind of lines up with that situation. If yellow equals purple, then maybe I would consider getting embargo over silver. And but, I think yeah. we all agree that that's not common. But the I big worry. thing the big thing I want to say about this is when yellow equals purple, you usually don't want to stick a card in your deck that just makes two money and is a terminal action. Right. A stop card, right? Like, if you want the embargo to start with for the money purpose, you probably need some money in your deck and you probably prefer to have a silver. And if you don't want to have a silver, you probably don't also want to have the embargo, at least for the money. Now, the token maybe is good enough for you, whatever. Um, And as Jake points out, there are some cases where you really need that one shot exactly once, but that's super rare. Yeah, so... Uh, basically, the gist of what we're saying here about embargo is as econ is don't dubious, uh, but yeah, don't but most I, most of the time don't. I also want to say though that if you didn't have the econ part of embargo, the card would be a lot worse. Oh, like, totally. You get it for the token purposes, but the money is really important too. Like if it was just you took the money off the card. It would be so much harder to justify, well, I'm going to get this to put the token on because you're setting yourself back a lot further if it didn't it, have the money. It would be way worse than Seahag at that point. And the, <laughs> I mean, the idea is... Have you seen uh, the that, art on Seahag? That's true. Yeah, don't uh, get me started on that. I wouldn't dream of it. Uh, but the idea is that it's a tempo play, right? That you can uh, put the embargo token out and uh, the idea is it slows your opponent down uh, but it doesn't slow you down to do it, and the money is the reason that it's not slowing you down, ideally. Yeah, so we're starting to talk about like this this token being bad for your opponent. Uh, the first use case that comes to mind, and I think this is probably the most common, is if you open five two, and yes. uh, you know you have two, and you want something maybe. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, it's, you know, embargoes there for you. Yes. Usually, <laughs> sub three, your options are fairly limited. So, anything yeah. that's at that price point immediately becomes a consideration. Yeah. And then and then you open with this $5 card. And presumably, your opponent didn't also get a 5 2. So, now you have this $5 card and an embargo in your deck. And ideally, you can play the embargo before they're able to buy their copy of the Fiverr. And now, when they get their Fiverr, they have to take a curse with it, and so you... Or they just have to get a different one. Yeah, so, like, you have, hopefully, this advantage because the fiver was good, and now you can compound that advantage by sticking an embargo token on the, the fiver pile. So, uh, this is, I think this is probably the most common use case for embargo that I see, sure. is 5-2 opening, and I think the one after that has to do with potion cost cards. Yeah, for sure. The idea that your opponent buys a potion and you counter by buying an embargo and oh, hopefully you can get the token down on the card that costs potion before they can get a copy of their potion cost card. Now, what I will say is that a lot of people will uh, look at this embargo mechanic and tell you that uh, the the sort of tactical considerations like never really work out, right? Um, Who says that? I don't know. I smack them in the face. That yeah. sounds like a load of crap. I mean... I don't condone violence. That's true. Well, I just want to take a second and, and dissect it. But like, it is let's a look at, Let's look <laughs> at, like, what's limiting the embargo interaction? Like, what is it that, like, is getting in the way? 
And uh, it's because if you look at Embargo as sort of a weaker option as far as what terminal action you could play, and it usually is, uh, the idea is that you are making this pile worse uh, for both you and your opponent. And this is a symmetrical effect to both of you, but you're paying an asymmetric cost for it. Only you had to get the embargo and then play it and then uh, make that happen for both of you. Don't forget draw it. Yeah, right. And that's and all of that's true. That's a that's a valid consideration. But like it rely that idea of the embargo being a symmetrical condition applied at an asymmetric cost. Uh, that's only true in a vacuum. You have to be talking about the kingdom outside of any kind of real progressed game state. The In practice, after turn 5, the idea that you and your opponent are actually in a symmetrical situation is really, really rare. So the idea is that the embargo token, at any given point when you draw it, there's going to be some difference between you and your opponent. And if you look for it, usually you can find some way to place the embargo token in a way that capitalizes on that difference. So... Yeah, uh, when you're talking about the symmetrical effect, I want to—I do want to make a point um, talking about some other kinds of card games. Like if you're playing a card game like Magic or Hearthstone or something, right? There's a lot of uh, sometimes there's a lot of cards which have quote unquote symmetrical effects, where it does the same thing to everybody, and those cards are very often very strong, right? Yeah. So you think about a sweeper that destroys all creatures or minions or whatever, and well, it destroys mine just like it destroys theirs. So therefore, you would think, I spent a card on it, I spent some mana on it. It's not a good card. But in reality, those are very strong because you can usually play to a situation where your opponent has a lot more stuff out than you. So you're, you're actually destroying more of their cards than you are of your cards. Exactly. Um, and so Embargo is kind of similar, right? If you can play it to a situation where you can put it on something that hurts your opponent a lot more than it hurts you then you can get a big advantage. Um, And so what you really need to have by the time you're playing Embargo is to have some pile that your opponent needs to buy cards from a lot more than you need to buy cards from. And, well, the trick is, and the difficulty about making Embargo actually be good is, you need to know that that is going to come up when you add the Embargo to your deck and still have it be true by the time you actually play the embargo. Yeah, there is this limiting... I mean, we can identify the situations where the embargo token is going to give you advantage by virtue of it being there. Uh, where you would look at a pile and you're like, wow, if I could snap my fingers and put an embargo token there, it'd be really good for me. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is that you have to, again, buy this embargo, which is a stock card and it's terminal, and you have to shuffle it in, you have to play it. So the the window of time between when you perceive said situation or when you decide that this embargo token would be good and when you can actually get around to placing it, uh, that is usually the limiting factor for this tactical interaction that embargo would unlock for you. And additionally, you need to actually be cutting them off from something that they need. So let's say, like... I'm playing deck A, which needs cards A, B, C, and D. And my opponent's playing deck X, which needs cards X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to get an embargo, and I'm going to stick it on an X. Except it's only three turns into the game. So how do you really know that they're playing deck X? They can just switch, usually, right? 
Right, um, and sometimes deck X is still so much better that uh, it's still better than what you're doing, even if they get curses going for it. Right, so, like, you just need more embargoes, man. Right, yeah. So <laughs> that's the, that's another metric you need Bar- to consider, Bar- is like if you are actually in this asymmetrical position uh, from your opponent, you, well, you need to identify it, but you also need to make sure you're like properly evaluating it. Like, if I am... Uh, deciding to just go for this deck that doesn't get any extra gains and I embargo the only thing that gets extra gains, well, that's great if it was close before that, if my deck was similarly powerful uh, to yours. But if those extra gains are uh, just so much of an advantage that you're just willing to eat the curses and beat me anyway, well, the embargo didn't do a whole lot for me. Right, so So there's, there's kind of two things that you need to look for. There's one is that there needs to not be a good alternative to, to the card that you're embargoing, right? So yeah. if I'm going to embargo farming village because my opponent's getting a bunch of farming villages because they need villages, but there's the vanillage, the vanilla village, the vanillage on the, the board village. also, yeah. um, like, who cares? They're just going to switch to villages and they haven't lost very much, right? Like, their, their alternative is so much, is, is, is so close to their, you know, what they were getting anyway that you barely hurt them right um but the other thing is they need to you need to put it on something that they can't switch decks so okay well you embargoed farming villages but so you're playing a money deck but because you spent the time to get embargo which is now gone and i have you know some other stuff uh i could just play the money deck better than you so that's the second thing and then the third thing is exactly what you were just talking about jake um Okay, so you embargoed Farming Village, but my deck with Villages is so much better than your deck without Villages, I'm still going to win. Right. So I'm trying to, I'm thinking of situations where these kind of things can happen. Uh, I talked about potion cards before. Uh, they're, they're pretty broadcasty, right? Right. Uh, if, I, if I buy a potion, it's pretty obvious what I want to buy next. Usually, so uh, so it's that's it's broadcasty in a sense. Uh, another sort of strategy that has that broadcastiness is big money. Uh, if if it's yeah. if I'm going for big money, it's usually obvious that I'm doing that because the cards that synergize with pre- treasures can uh, you know maybe not play well with the rest of things, and so it, it can be obvious what I want in that deck. It's gold and province, and so it can be. It can be helpful in terms of what do I embargo or do I want to go with the embargo because you can easily assess what you want to embargo and how it's going to affect them. But there uh, are some caveats. There are some caveats to that too, even in those cases, right? <laughs> um, the potion cost cards. Let's say there's university and alchemist on the board. Are you going to embargo yeah. one? They can just go for the other one, right? Sure. Um, and the uh, conversely... Embargo, I, I would say, is probably especially effective at um, maybe making cursing attacks worse. Just because, like, in particular, I'm thinking about Familiar, right? Because they, they buy a potion and Familiar is the only one. Uh, and if you embargo the Familiars, now every Familiar they get is giving 10% fewer curses. That sounds like a classic trap, Jake. (laughs) Oh, no! Well, I mean, it does get worse, but it's not so much worse that I wouldn't go for it. That's basically the the, the thing we're just talking about, right? Yeah. The the deck that gets one familiar and hands out nine curses is going to be very happy to take one curse in order to be able to do so. Sure. (laughs) 
Yeah, um, and it's it, the question then you you then ask is like, can I embargo the familiars or the cursing attack or whatever, and then also go for these trashing options that are uh, would normally not be able to keep up with the junking, but maybe they, I slow down the junking enough with sure. uh, the token, and it's you know just embargo in particular uh, can get more mileage out of making cursing attacks at junking attacks worse than it does out of making other things worse. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I, I think uh, another couple things we can take away from this uh, part of the discussion is that uh, embargo obviously has more of an impact when there is not strong trashing or some elegant way to deal with the incoming curses like a watchtower or a traitor or something like that. If those curses are stuck with me or if it's a pain to trash those curses, then, uh, you know, obviously embargo is going to have a little more of an impact. But if I can just take three curses and then trash them with my drunk dealer or if I can buy a watchtower and, and just not care, then it doesn't seem like the embargo is going to be doing much for well, me here. Like in the junk dealer case, the curses still hurt. They just don't hurt as much, right? You still have yeah. to draw them once. You still have to trash them instead of something else. So it's like it, it definitely still hurts. It's just that it doesn't hurt as much as if there's like no trashing. And then yeah. doesn't hurt maybe quite as much as if someone bought an embargo and played it and it didn't do much. Right? Well, I mean, right. it it, it kind of depends also then on how early you're getting the embargo token down, right? If they already have their deck under control and they have a couple of junk dealers, then the embargo token is going to do next to nothing or might even help them because they still want to play their junk dealers but yeah um but in general like but if you know say they open five two and they got the the embargo token down really fast then the curses are still going to hurt a lot because there's they'd really like to be trashing a bunch of other stuff with their junk dealer instead of you know they, they haven't gotten clean yet and so that's extra stuff that's going to take them more a lot more effort to get clean Sure. So there's a similarity here to a junking attack like a sea hag, for example, where I wouldn't normally get it, but if my opponent doesn't bother to thin their deck, they become more vulnerable to junking, and so maybe I'll go for this pseudo-junking embargo kind of thing that might not otherwise be good. So it can kind of push you in the direction of, hey, I want to get control of my deck, I want to draw a lot of cards, I want to be able to trash incoming cards soon so I don't get bogged down too much. Yeah, and that can kind of be one of those situations where you embargo a pile that you do intend to keep buying cards from just because you know you both need it. And uh, if you are better equipped to deal with those curses, go for it. But I, I don't know. I put an asterisk by that because if you're better equipped to deal with curses and you both need to be eating from this pile, it applies to me that you're ahead anyway. <laughs> you might just uh, win but, no matter what you do. Yeah, so I think like we can go over some uh, other situations where the embargo token is not necessarily you don't buy embargo with like a pile in mind. You don't buy buy embargo with like your eye on a pile. You buy embargo understanding that when you do draw it, you're going to have a read on the game at that point and you're going to put it there. And uh, one of the most common use cases for me one of the things I think is uh, the most common strong play with Embargo is that you get ahead on provinces, like you get the first province, what have you, and then you embargo the duchies. And embargoing duchies is, for me, a pretty key part, key, pretty key threat to Embargo uh, being on the board, is that if I get a, the usually 
if you start quote unquote front running and get ahead on provinces, the opponent's recourse is to uh, continue to build up and if they're not going to contest you on those provinces immediately, they can continue to build up and make a better deck and then uh, come back by getting duchies. Because two duchies equals one province, and they can come back that way. If you embargo the duchies, uh, now it takes three duchies to equal one province, and they put six stop cards in their deck instead of two, uh, for whatever that matters. So getting ahead on provinces and then embargoing duchies can be extremely punishing, and a lot of the time, that can just close the game out before it ended. So... I wanted to talk about this because I have a little bit of a different perspective. Um, first of all, that is definitely something you want to do sometimes. Um, but do note that, you know, again, in order for that to be effective, you actually need them to be going for duchies. So if there's some other way to score points besides province and duchy, then this starts to look a lot worse, right? If du- there's Duchy is certainly the most common case, yes. Fairgrounds or yeah. gardens or something, then embargoing either one of them, they just flip to the other one and... You know, you're you're kind of out of luck. But um, in the case you describe, where you have like one province or something, I actually think it might be better in in some cases. And obviously, it depends a lot on what your deck and what your opponent's deck looks like. But I think it might be better to embargo province. Really? Yeah. I sometimes. Really, yeah. yeah, I have I have a section in my outline of, of both about embargoing provinces and about embargoing duchies. Yeah. And like, if you're going to embargo duchies. Uh, the the situation Jake described seems like the the main way to do it unless like there's a duchy duke around but that's sure. different uh, but like if you're gonna embargo provinces the there's one use case of I already have a few and they're gonna need more uh, and then there's the other use case of I'm behind but they haven't gotten any yet so I'm gonna embargo it so that they uh, take a little bit longer to to finish out the game while I can build a little more right yeah and a lot of the time that's a that's kind of a bleak spot to be in what adam just described uh because like if you're if you're behind at that point uh like how much are you slowing them down in relation to you and sometimes it's a valid play and it gets you uh where you need to get but that's certainly not you know the that wasn't plan a when you made that board really would want a way to deal with those curses it it could be but again it depends on like if if they're that, that, I think, comes up more often, like, if you're playing this uh, deck that maybe takes a little bit longer to build up, but eventually has really high payload, and they're playing maybe more of a money deck, then it's going to gain you extra time. You probably, they probably can't deal with the curses very well, and just giving you an extra, a bit of extra time helps. Um, the reason why I wanted to talk about it, the situation Jake is talking about embargoing duchies versus provinces. I think it's an interesting question. At some point, it flips around which one is better to do. Um, like, I think if you have f- four or five provinces and your opponent doesn't have any yet, then embargoing duchies is fantastic in that spot. But if I just have, like, one, then in my experience, and again, this is, I don't think I'm particularly disagreeing with Jake, uh, but I want to make the point clear that it, it really does depend on the situation, your deck, your opponent's deck, and what's happening in the game. Because in my experience, when I think of that situation, most of the time, the way my opponent is going to beat me is going to be they're still going to get at least as many provinces as me by the end of the game. At which point, embargoing duchies doesn't really help me very much um, because they're not trying to come back by getting extra, extra duchies, right? The, the, what you need 
the case you need to be true in order for embargoing duchies to work out for you is like you are going to get five provinces and they're going to have to come back by getting you know like four more duchies than you and yeah. in that case embargoing duchy is fantastic because now they need six more duchies than you <laughs> yeah and i mean the uh one of the i think this this will come up quite a bit if you are playing like a fast money-ish strategy versus something that's a little slower more like methodical and monolithic to build up uh so you can uh maybe have that five province lead at the time that you play the embargo right and it it, it depends i i do think it depends on like what point in the game you're at as to where sure. the best point to stick the token is um like if it's if it's pretty early, you have like one or two provinces. I think it's usually better to stick it on province um, if you're playing that kind of a deck because you can go for. You're also often better equipped to do a long greening phase. Um, it also depends right. on how well they can deal with the curses, though. Um, you know, all of these things keep getting related. Um, Definitely. Uh, the other one that is not related to your end game scoring. Uh, is when you and your opponent are... Uh, obviously, when you're building a different deck uh, than your opponent, the embargo has clear utility. You just embargo the pile they need and you don't. Uh, but if you're building the same deck, uh, but maybe you're building in a little different order for some reason, like the draw costs five, and you happen to hit five a couple more times than they did. So, like, just at this point, you look at what you have more of that you both need, and you think to yourself... What if this pile just suddenly got a lot worse for both of us? Would we just stop where we are and uh, keep make do with what we have? In which case, I'm ahead because I have more of it. Uh, or would he just have to eat some curses? Uh, in which case, if Embargo is starting to play like a junking attack, it's a pretty powerful card at that point. Uh, right. So, yeah, like this is really common with villages and draw. In my experience, when there's like a single pile of village and a single pile of draw, and uh, you basically build a little out of order, your opponent gets the draw first, you get the villages first, or vice versa, you just embargo the one you have more of, uh, and right. then you can be in a good spot. It's pretty often, actually, that by luck of the draw, one of you will be ahead in some area, and the other one will be ahead in another area, and your decks end up asymmetric. Um, the, the idea, again, is that you bought the embargo understanding that that might come up. Not You look for that, and then you buy the embargo. Because if you wait until that's already the case and then buy the embargo, it's going to be too late by the time you draw it. The, the window will have passed you by. The idea is that you buy the embargo uh, with the understanding that this situation may present itself. So there's, a, there's another trick that, uh, that I think is relevant with embargo. It sort of changes the way things are. Um, there's a it, another thing you can look for is like when you have access to the card that uh, kind of skirts the embargo. So I'm looking at gainers. Yeah. So yeah. if I if I want uh, ten villages and I have a workshop, uh, I can embargo the villages, but I can still play my workshop and gain the village, and I don't get the curse. Right. Right. So um, really, uh, I mean this this is a way to get around the embargo, but you know your opponent can buy a workshop too. So in this situation, uh, if you're going to embargo something, you're usually targeting the gainer instead of the thing you want a lot of. And the effect gets a lot less because, you know, you usually only want one or maybe two copies of your workshop. But hey, if I get my workshop first and I embargo the stinking thing, then they have to take a purple in order to get it. Uh, or 
then I have the threat of, oh, well, I'll just embargo the villages, and you maybe pick up a second embargo for this case. But you can stick them with a couple of purples if they don't get to there as fast as you want. But but uh, the focus here is on the gainers it, instead of the yeah. cards you want to lock. Well, it depends, but though. Sometimes, so, yeah, sometimes you still do stick it on the village. Yeah, um, because, because you force them to then diverge and then get the gainer. And, and that, that slows them down. Right. And particularly that's the case if you're like already at the point where, say, they might be buying two or three of the village in the same turn. Um, and so now if you embargo the village, it's going to take them a turn to buy the gainer, and then it'll be the next turn until they're getting that village. So it's, it can slow them down quite a bit. Obviously, if they're already to that point, then they probably have trashing, but sometimes it comes up that they don't. There are uh, different – yeah. Just use your noodle, man. Just yeah. think about it. <laughs> the, yeah, there are these different strategies to win a split. I mean, sometimes, uh, like, we'll take Fool's Gold, for example, a card you really want to win the split of sometimes. Uh, you uh, just get to the point where you just, you get a gainer sometimes to accelerate your gaining of the pile. Uh, and other times you just buy them sooner instead of getting the gainer, and you just rush that pile. So if your opponent uh, has decided to try to get speed by buying them earlier as opposed to getting a gainer for them uh, you can punish that by then embargoing that thing and then not only uh, do they, uh, they they have this choice they can forego their speed advantage that they got from buying that pile and then get the gainer uh, and you probably win the split in that case or they keep bull rushing that split and they take curses and uh, maybe you go the same way but Either way, you've hurt them to some degree. Um, yeah, uh, actually, Fool's Gold is another great example of a telegraphy kind of card because yeah. you almost never just want one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, if they get a Fool's Gold, they're going to want more. Um, so that's another great example there. Um, but, yeah, it has this dynamic of, you know, it, it's a card that your opponent might just be buying a lot of and then maybe you can gain around it. Um, similarly to this to this uh, idea that Adam is talking about with skirting the token, um, we also mentioned very briefly earlier, but I want to bring up for a slightly longer discussion, Watchtower and Trader. Um, there are other ways to skirt the embargo token. And again, sometimes it's the issue where you stick the token on the Watchtower or the Trader because otherwise your opponent can just gain it or do the same thing. Um, but Sometimes you still stick it on the actual card in question. So if you're playing with a deck that is pretty happy to have a lot of silvers in it, and your opponent's playing a deck that really is trying to connect a lot of specific pieces together, they're playing with a lot of villages and smithies, and sure, maybe the silvers are okay for them, but they're better for you, right? Um, then you can embargo some important pile, and if you have a trader in your deck, then when you buy that card, you get extra silver, so it's great. Your opponent buys that card, they get an extra silver, but it's, that's less good for them. If they have the trader, they probably don't have the trader if, they don't, if they're not looking to get a lot of silvers in the deck to start with. So they can get the trader and then get the extra silvers, but it's like multiple extra steps, right? Um, so those are a couple of other cards to watch out for uh, with Embargo. I have uh, a, few, a few other uh, things to watch out for, uh, specific card kind of interactions. Um, one is uh, any of, like, Royal Seal, Tracker, 
uh, yeah. or summon or innovation. I um, was actually going to bring those up too, so I'm glad that we're going there. Yeah, so if you notice in a lot of it, it came up that the big problem with Embargo is that in almost every game, there is a situation where, man, if I could just stick this Embargo token here, it would be really good for me because I have an advantage in this area. Like if, um, if Embargo was an event, the, I would buy the crap out of it right now. Yeah, but the problem the problem is, right, that you need to be able to identify that before you get into that situation because otherwise the time that it takes for you to actually get the Embargo token down is going to take too long. And sometimes you can just go ahead and do this anyway. If you're, like, drawing your deck and you have some gain in play, like, you can do it that way. But these specific cards, the Royal Seal, the tr- Tracker, the Summon, and the Innovation, they Kardashian allow too, you yeah. to, within the course of, like, one turn, get that Embargo token down um, because you're summoning and playing the Embargo immediately or your Innovation and really immediately playing the Embargo or you can top deck it with the others, Right. So you can get it down a lot quicker, so that really lowers the amount of time that your opponent has to adapt or uh, equalize out their disadvantage. Um, so that's something to keep keep in mind. And Jake, I, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to add on that. No, just that whenever those options are available to you, uh, you need to understand that the embargo threat is available to you as well as to your opponent. So like... You need to understand that whenever uh, there is a way to shorten the window uh, between gaining the embargo and playing the embargo, uh, you need to basically stay flexible, is what I would say, and stay uh, able to deal with those curses if need be. Um, Yeah. Uh, The other couple areas I wanted to mention, uh, other cursing attacks um, make the embargo like a temporary measure. So if there's a card that you're both going to want, but I don't want it for a while, my opponent wants it right now, then I can stick the embargo on that, and I'm not going to get it for a while, but I wasn't going to anyway. And then eventually later on, the curses are going to run out, and then the embargo token doesn't do anything. Right. <laughs> I was... So, yeah. So uh, it, it makes it more of a temporary measure uh, if there's another cursing attack. Obviously, that kind of lowers the effectiveness of embargo in general, because there is a time limit on the token, effectively. Um, but, you know, in particular situations, sometimes, if, you know, you're slow to get to the cursor, and it's a slow cursor, um, and you can stick a couple of embargoes down on provinces or something, uh, you can you can make your opponent wait around and have a bad day. Um, Definitely. The other thing I wanted to mention is pileouts. Um, so this doesn't come up very often, um, so really don't think of this as like a normal play pattern, but there are sometimes situations where you can stick an embargo token on something, and I know this was the joke at the beginning, but it actually does come up every now and then. You this stick your true. embargo token down on something, some pile, to help you facilitate a pile out. Most often, the pile you stick it on is the curse pile. And now suddenly, instead of needing 10 buys to drain the curses, I only need five. And obviously, you need to have a huge points lead and a bunch of buys and, or, and to have other piles be out for this to come up. So like, there are a lot of hoops that have to jump through for it to be relevant. But it is something that I have in the back of my mind, um, because that curse pile is always there. It is always available. And it does come up every once in a blue moon that you know what, I'm going to just chug 10 curses here 
and you didn't expect that I had enough games, but embargo doubled them, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I, I'm gonna say that that uh, that tactic get got a lot more relevant uh, with empires, I think, because of landmarks. I usually see that being the case when they have some source of points that. Uh, you can get to at some point, like some the in particular the landmarks that have like some condition for your deck to fill, uh, like we're talking about like you know fountain or uh, keep or something like that, where like you can get the points pretty much whenever, uh, and but if you get them now, uh, you can have that huge points lead to the point that you can just win on sheer gains alone. So yeah autopiling the curses is definitely something to bear in mind but like you said it's it's a fairly marginal play that doesn't come up super often the things that i would like to talk about now are the times when embargo just like doesn't matter things we've already touched on a little bit here uh and hopefully uh throughout the course of this episode we've we've swayed you away from the conventional wisdom of always uh that embargo always doesn't matter because that's definitely wrong but uh the presence of a cursing attack it's going to drain the curses in some other way. A lot of the time that can, uh, you know, declaw embargo. Uh, the But uh, anyway, just when the curses don't matter, like when there's really good trashing to the point that it's harder, it's more of, an, of a pain for you to put the embargo token down than it is for me to just deal with the curses. Then embargo doesn't matter. So I think we're out of things to say about no. embargo, yeah? No, there's one other thing, right? There's one other thing that we should mention, and yeah, that okay. is sewers. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, oftentimes... It's actually pretty good. <laughs> like, we talked about silver is better than embargo, because it sticks around. But if there's sewers around, then, like, trashing an estate is a big economic plus two, and if you're going to be able to do that, then that might be a reason where you would really take embargo. Um, Over silver, yeah. And and it's not so much because it gets out of your deck, but because it says trash and it lets you trash another card with sewers. Um, so so that's also something to you know watch out for. Um, I did design a kingdom for the most recent tournament around uh, using sewers and mostly embargo to thin your deck. Jake really liked that board. It had, like, three or four of his favorite cards on yeah, it. Yeah, it was nice. He had Swashy to look at, too. It was yeah. Pretty, pretty treasure cool. Map was a hot tech, right? Uh, it didn't I have mean, Treasure Map, it didn't was, it? was there, but it was pretty bad. It's basically worse than Embargo. <laughs> Unless they've embargoed the embargoes. Oh, oh no! Yeah, I mean, so... Yeah, if you take nothing else from all this, I think that... One thing that one statement I feel pretty confident standing behind is most of the time embargo is not a strategy. It is a tactic. It is something. It's not something you look at the board and say, uh, "Oh, this is what you do with embargo." It's something you look at the game state. Like you need to look at the actual state of each player's deck before you try to evaluate what embargo is going to do on the kingdom and if it should be played at all. Yeah, and I also want to say that. Um, despite embargo being uh, generally on the weaker end of things, it's not because the effect is weak. It's just about that it's really hard to time usually because yeah. in almost every game I feel like I play, there would be some point, some situation where, wow, if I had the embargo right now, that would be so much better than like any other card in my hand. Um, yeah. 
But the problem is you need to know when that's going to happen ahead of time. And that's A, really hard to do practically, but B, sometimes it's just you can't know when it's going to happen, and so it just doesn't work out. Well, that and the terminal space is also an issue. Right. Rip. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, finally, we have a kingdom that uh, we are going to be playing over the next several weeks. And by <laughs> several weeks, I mean the next week. Yeah. Uh, that has embargo in it. And somebody's going to read those cards. I'll do, do it. Go. I'll do it. Okay. So, the cards in this kingdom are Embargo, Chariot Race, Improve, Golem, Mining Village, Remodel, Throne Room, Count, Ghost Ship, Royal Seal, and there is the Event Pathfinding, and the uh, Landmark, it's called a Landmark, right? Yeah, it's a Landmark, it's Labyrinth. Um, So once more for our audio-only listeners, we have Embargo, Chariot Race, Improve, Golem, Mining Village, Remodel, Throne Room, Count, Ghost Ship, Royal Seal, Pathfinding, and Labyrinth. So the first thing on all of our minds was that Labyrinth hard counters Embargo, because you get the curse and the card, but then you get some chips! (laughs) Uh, You have a different definition of hard counter than me. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, uh, we talked about Royal Seal and Embargo, and it's, like, it's right in front of me, man. Yeah, man. Uh, That's so ill. So, this is interesting. So there's no plus buy. Uh, the only way to get more than one province, is a tur- province in a turn here is remodel. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, the payload is a little bit weak. But, you know, there is this threat of embargo, and that pushes me towards the direction of maybe wanting to get better control of my deck. Oh, and also ghost shit matters a lot for wanting to get control of my deck, too. So I probably want to invest in some thinning. I probably want to invest in some drawing. Pathfinding is really nice for that. Well, wait, where's the thinning that you're looking at? Count. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> interesting. Sorry. Count is interesting in that it is, like, pretty good trashing thinning early. Um, but it doesn't let you deal with embargo curses very well. No. It's like uh, the sledgehammer of trashing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can swing it a couple times and do some good stuff, but, like, if I buy a card with an embargo on it, then I'm going to want to remodel to get that curse out of my deck, because Count's probably not going to do a good And what are you going to remodel your curse into? Right. Embargo! <laughs> embargo! Yeah, so embargo... Hashtag circle of life, hashtag Hakuna Matata, hashtag... Means circle of life. So, Hashtag pathfinding on embargo. Yeah, there we <laughs> We did it, guys. It's the best investment you'll it. never make. Woo! Okay. But the yeah, so it's funny. I, I was just saying that like you never you don't really plan on going for embargo, uh, but here you kind of do because they're going to be happening incidentally because your zero cost cards are just going to get remodeled into embargoes and you're going to have them in your deck. Right. Well, I mean, I, I feel like there's a higher than normal chance that it could come up this game, and can, and the fact that it's there means that I probably want to be building a little more than if it wasn't there. Well, the fact that you can throne the embargoes is actually also non-trivial. Ooh, you get two embargo tokens. Check I mean, that that's out. that's actually that's a thing. Like if you that embargo token, if you can set up that situation where it's good to you, have, is, where you double embargo province. 
Yeah. Boom. It's. I mean, it's just especially punishing. Uh, so it's. It also. It makes yeah. me want remodel a lot more than I would have. Like I maybe would have gotten a remodel otherwise, but because embargoes around, it really makes me want to have a remodel in my deck. What What do you guys think about getting a bunch of chariot races? Well, it's a cantrip, uh, and it's cheap, so it's a decent pathfinding target. I think it's actually better than normal here. Uh, I also think I mean, that it's a cantrip, and there's pathfinding, so yeah. Well, it's I think that like normal. I think you can get fairly regular money and points out of it too. You can top well, deck stuff with count, and then uh, right. I it. mean, it's a it's Your something go- you probably need to go for. It's opponents hard. ghost ships, yeah. Right, so you you want to play your chariot races before you play your ghost ship. That's yeah. important. Yeah, and uh, you you also like it's kind of hard to get a lot of them uh, in yeah. bulk because there's uh, you know there's no extra uh, buys. Man. Improve can't embargo the improve. Darn it! Um. <laughs> yeah, it would be really sexy if you could like improve into some chariot races, but that's not going to work out for yeah, you. Yeah, if only enchantress were on the board. Yeah. Dang it. Could have your embargo in play, yes. Ripperoonie. Uh, I mean, mining village is another cantrip, but uh, you know, I guess it kind of depends on which you have more of. Uh, also, like uh, the there's ghost ship, which makes me want sources of VP other than green cards more than normal. So uh, there's something to be said for chariot races here. They probably go in the deck. I, I certainly think you don't get zero of them. But uh, my focus here, I mean, what am I going to open? On a 5-2, I'm going to be very happy to get Count and Embargo. On a 4-3, am I going to open Embargo? Mm, I don't really I'm think I'm not so. going to open Embargo no, on a 4-3, no. no. That is like so. the classic situation where your opponent just mirrors you and has one extra card. <laughs> yeah, like, that's just uh, not really... Opening Embargo is rarely something you do because... Unless you have a 5-2, in which case it's something you often do. <laughs> right. I, I was going to say, is rarely something you do by choice. It's something you do because uh, you had no other option. Well, uh, well I, even if there's other twos, card. I will often, if there's a good five, I'm happy to open five two with an embargo because I want to embargo the five I have and they don't. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So my focus uh, in the opening is hitting five so I can get a count pretty soon. I, I'm actually shying away from opening remodel so that I have a higher chance of count. I actually kind of like an improved mining village opening because that gives me a lot of ways to hit five. Improved mining village is kind of sexy. I was gonna say uh, you could go improved mining village. You could also go something else mining village. What would that something? Because like the mining village alone can help you hit the five silver. Yeah. I mean, if I'm gonna do something else mining village, I'd probably just do silver improve. Sure. Uh, opening with two silver equivalents is uh, also another great way to hit five. Uh, I'm if I think the mining village has a, a little bit extra of synergy with improve, which is why I would consider opening with it here along yeah. with the improve. Right. No, I I would definitely consider mining village improve, but uh, what I'm saying I wouldn't consider up there is mining village silver. I don't think I like mining village silver, but if you made me open mining village and told me I couldn't get an improve with it. Well, I guess I'm getting a silver, but that's uh, not how Dominion works. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so... What, I, but, Adam, what if they've embargoed the improves before your turn two? And the silvers. Then I'm going to stop <laughs> playing with this person because they're cheating. 
So, well, they throw in their embargo. It's fine. They throw oh. the embargo and put it on two different piles. Uh, yeah, so, I, I don't know. I mean, they're... So is... And I and I think it's bad, but is Mining Village Chariot Race a crazy open? Yes. Uh, yes. All right, cool. So, good talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do want Chariot Races. I don't want them that badly, and Chariot Races is a really bad card to open with. I'm not... Yeah, you get them later. I'm pretty ambivalent towards Chariot Race. I don't think they're they're totally ignorable. I think, like, you need to... I think you... they're ignorable. Oh, I mean, wow, really? I think you I, definitely... I probably wouldn't zero. ignore them. I would probably get them at some point, because at some point, I need my deck to stay pretty thin, and they're definitely better than nothing. But, mm-hmm. like... I'm not going to feel like, oh, man, I better get, like, five of them. If I get one or two over the course of the game... I, I, you don't... I think that's off, Wandering Winder. I think you... I think you don't you're going to get a, enough points from chariot races that it matters a lot. I mean, you don't need to split them 5-5 five, five with your opponent. That's not what we're saying at all. But you can't rush this game in. Like, this, this board sure is Sure you can. Kinda, this board is kind of slow. You can't rush it and win. Like you Hashtag can't... turbo remodel. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You can't rush it. You can't rush this in a way that's like viable to win. So like the you can draw this game out and if you have a source of points that's not making your deck worse and you're drawing the game out, I, I really don't think that the chariot races are totally ignorable. I think you you don't need to split them five five with your opponent. They don't even need to run. But if you don't get them at all, you're gonna be in a really weird spot. My my point is, I would not go into this game thinking I really need to make sure I get chariot races. It might develop in a situ- into a situation where I'm like, I should probably get some chariot races here, but I don't think that they're going to be super important. This is really weird because normally I'm the person that's like, I'm going to decide this later. But like, I'm looking at this board and I'm thinking. Chariot Race seems like an important source of points. I'm going to have to find a way to work that into my and, strategy. And I'm normally the person who's saying Chariot Race is overrated AF, because it is. Uh, but, you know, here I'm, here I'm pretty okay with it. It's going to uh, be pretty hard to set them up. And because you, you do want Ghost Ship, right? And it's going to be pretty hard to guarantee that you're Ghost Ship at- attacking after you're doing all your Chariot yeah, Racing. Don't get Golem. What? Yeah. Don't get Golem. It's bad for that. Don't get Golem, um, period. Well, yeah, um, that too. I don't know. I actually... I was thinking about Golem, and I'm not sure. I thought about it. I think it's bad. Well, it the never, thing is... It I'm never loses a chariot race. It helps you against Ghost Ship. It um, never loses a chariot... You could get a Golem in the deck? Wait, it loses to other Golems. No, it ties against other Golems. Right, that's a loss. That's well, not if you're a, playing, that's if not you're playing the, a chariot race. It's not a, no, I'm saying if your opponent plays a chariot race have it, you're and you have a golem on top, top yeah. you're never losing. Just like province. Yes, provinces also. I also would think about just trying to get provinces real fast. Yeah, um, I'm, this is true. I don't like the... Whatever. There is, uh, there is no card or card-shaped object on this board, which I think is totally irrelevant. That's true. I also, I'm also trying know. to figure out uh, um, <laughs> how pathfinding interacts with throne room, and if I ever want to pathfind a throne room. I, I think that's a real thing. It's pretty sexy. Because I, uh, a lot of times I throne throne. Yeah, and it works. You get all of the cards. Yeah. Oh. 
And I just have a deck that's full of nothing. Nothing and I draw my whole deck every time. Yeah. And you play those seven coppers you, you can play every that, single time. You can play that golem, man. You can do it. Wait, you need you need an eighth copper because you got to buy the pathfinding. Ooh. Think ahead, you could, Jake. No, you, you could pathfind. No, no. You you had eight money because you had an improve, <laughs> but you crashed the improve into throne room. So then you only have seven coppers. Um, Boom. I mean, that makes a lot more sense. But Jake's was a lot funnier. <laughs> We did it. We I did don't, it, guys. So I don't think you're getting a royal seal here. Uh, I don't. Maybe I, don't I think could I wanna... see you it. A, you get a really early five. Maybe after you've got your count. That seems really weird. I will. So there are a couple of ways. <laughs> I will note there are a couple of ways to get around embargo tokens here. Yeah. Um. So not only not remodel, but also improve. Sometimes improve, can yeah. depending on yeah. what's embargoed. Count can like, gain duchies even if embargo has it. Well, count count can do that. Or and coppers. coppers. That's right. Hashtag embargo copper. Yeah, um, but I can get around that with my count. Get wrecked, nerd. Yeah, I gained a copper and a duchy. Oh, double <laughs> embargo <laughs> sidestep. You've embargoed both of those piles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's that kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so tell us what you guys think. Leave a comment in the comment section or yeah. on the Discord server or on adamhorton.com or where on else? Personal Facebook pages, which are linked on adamhorton.com. <laughs> uh, the forums. Adam's LinkedIn. My LinkedIn. I have not touched my LinkedIn in many years. Headshots to... available upon request. I need to update my LinkedIn. Uh, actually, the headshot I'm using right now is this that I have on my Dominion business card. It's a photo from my wedding. I look good, don't I? Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't... I can't see what you're... Yeah, you'll have to watch the video. Sorry. Uh, I did get a photo from your wedding, so if it's the same photo, I've seen it. Uh, I don't know. It might be. Hmm. It's it's you and Megan though. So oh, that's not the word I put that. In. Sorry, sorry, bro. Well, anyway, uh, let us know what you think. We want to hear from you, and uh, we want to hear what you would do on this kingdom. How would you open if you don't hit a five-two? Uh, what do you think of chariot race, golem, uh, all that stuff? Um, yeah. Royal seal. Royal seal. Embargo. Yeah. Embargo. Yeah, make a recording of you saying embargo. I will rate any recordings yeah. that are submitted. Yeah, and and the best one will win the raffle. Yeah. Which and is what we're raffling off this week is Wandering Winder. <laughs> With ear candles. I suggest yeah. you read the Thirteenth Amendment, Jake. Yeah. No. Somebody asked. Somebody asked if uh, there would be a raffle to win Parker. And I was like, "Well, I can't. I've looked into this. I can't really <laughs> give away a human. There was a war about that." It's called the Thirteenth <laughs> Amendment to the United States Constitution. Yeah. Um, natural law. <laughs> right. Also, he's asleep, so I really don't want to wait yeah, for this. Right. So yeah, what you're saying cool. is time to make so much na- noise that I blow out all your speaker systems and I don't think that's you gonna, could do that but please don't try that's gonna be hard given that, that sounds like headphones. a challenge <laughs> yeah we're in the basement and he's on the second floor and he slept through the dog barking when Jake came in and she didn't stop and like that wasn't nearly as far away as we are now right. she didn't stop I can still hear her barking now 
Yeah, she's she's going crazy. She's right there. Yep. Barking. Yep. Leave a anyway, comment yeah. in the comment section on this web zone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time on can't do it it's it's never good enough for wandering winter oh man i wish i could be good enough for wandering winter one day Jake. thank you thank you you're not good enough for me but you are jake oh Oh! no you are good enough for me what are you talking about oh thanks this is a feel-good podcast welcome to making luck a feel-good podcast Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. I'm not... No. Oh, I've already screwed it up. Uh, <laughs> I this practiced the best like intro so many ever. times today. Okay, uh, I'm doing this again. All right, we're all right. doing it again. Go. Welcome Go. to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. I'm wandering podcast. when to... Oh, My sorry. What are we... Wander... What? Um... <laughs> it. Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. My name is Not Wandering Winter. Joining me as normal are Adam and Jake. How you doing, guys? 